Hello everyone, I'm Jerry Savelle. Thank you for joining me today. We are in downtown Fort Worth, Texas, and we're attending and preaching in the Fort Worth Believers Convention sponsored by Kenneth Copeland Ministries. And today I'm gonna to take you into the service where I was preaching on this subject, holding fast to the Word of God. You know, in Mark chapter four, Jesus said, once the Word is sown, Satan comes immediately to steal the Word. I'm gonna show you how that you can hold fast to the Word. And God's Word is designed to produce great things in your life, but you can't let Satan steal it. So watch now very closely, pay attention, take notes, and I'm gonna show you once again how that you can hold fast to the Word of God and expect what Jesus said will come to pass in your life if you do so. So watch now and I'll be back in just a few moments. Open your Bibles, if you will, first of all, to the fourth chapter of Mark. Mark chapter four, very familiar story, parable, you might say. Brother Copeland calls this the granddaddy of all parables. The sower sows the word. And look at verse 14. <clears throat> the sower soweth the word, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Notice the word immediately. He won't even wait until you get home. I've seen it happen time and time again. People come to these conventions get full of the Word of God, and sometimes before they even get to the car, Satan's already trying to steal the Word, trying to take it away from them. And I remember when uh, the first time I heard Brother Copeland back in February of 1969, I'd never heard anything like what he was preaching. And um, I, I immediately recognized it as truth. I just knew that what I was hearing was the truth. And so I was captivated by it and couldn't get enough of it. And as soon as he left town, I only went to the, the last meeting that he was in. And a lady that uh, was a member of the church and uh, one of my uh, wife's prayer partners, they prayed together quite a bit. She came over to the house the next day and said, um, Jerry, God told me to bring you these. And it was the reel-to-reel -reel messages of all those services. She'd recorded them on her own tape recorder and brought them to me and said, God told me to tell you, if you'll listen to these, they'll change your life. And uh, I said, well, how am I supposed to listen to them? She said, don't you have a reel-to-reel -reel tape player? I said, no, I don't. She said, I'll be right back. So she went home, came back, and brought the tape player. Now, it was this big. Had speakers that you attached to each side of it. You didn't carry it around under your arm like this, you know. You set it on a table or a credenza, and, and uh, she brought the real-to-real -real tapes of all those services. So I had about 20 tapes, and they had a message on each side. And I started out with number one, the word of faith. 
That's what he called it, the word of faith. I'd never heard anything like it. It was absolutely the finest, the best thing I'd ever heard in my life. And I couldn't get enough of it. And the Lord said to me, I want you to shut your business down. I owned an automotive business, paint body shop. Shut your business down and you give me eight hours a day studying these messages for three months. And at the end of three months, I'll make a preacher out of you. Your life will change forever. And so I did. I shut my business down. It took me a little while to do all that. Shut my business down. And then I went into that guest bedroom at six o'clock every morning. And I didn't come out until noon. And I'd come out and have lunch with my family. And then I'd go back in there at one o'clock. And I wouldn't come out till five. And I'd have dinner with the family or do whatever they wanted me to do. And as soon as they went to bed, I went right back into that room. And sometimes those eight hours turned into 10, 12, 15 hours a day. And that didn't bother me at all because that's the way I, I worked. Uh, I, uh, if it meant 10, 12, 15 hours a day at the shop, I, that's what I did. I worked all night if, it, if that's what it took. And so studying the word like that for 10, 12, 15 hours a day, I, I didn't mind that at all. In fact, I was enjoying it. I couldn't get enough of it. And I was hearing things that I'd never heard before. And I kept thinking, where has this preacher been all my life? Amen. And I heard the call of God in 1957, watching Oral Roberts on television in my grandmother's home in Oklahoma City. And uh, I'd never heard of Oral Roberts. And we were having a family reunion and all the family was there at my grandmother's home and somebody turned on her old black and white Philco television set. And when it finally came on, how many of you remember it didn't come on immediately? <laughs> and when the picture finally came on, you know, it was Oral Roberts under the big tent and he was preaching what became one of his most famous sermons called The Fourth Man. And I'm standing there captivated by it. And I heard the call of God. And he said, someday you'll preach like that. Someday you'll pray for people like that. I thought it was one of my cousins. Uh, my cousin Joe was here and he was there. And uh, uh, another cousin, Donnie, they were standing on each side of me. I thought it was one of them said that. And when I turned, they were both gone. And uh, I thought, who was that? And I realized it was the voice of God. Well, that's not what I wanted to do. Preaching had never been a consideration, never even had the thought of preaching. And so I thought, well, if I don't tell anybody about this, then I won't have to do it. And God will realize he made a mistake and he'll find somebody who wants to do that. So I never told a soul about it. And, uh, of course, I, I grew up in a little Baptist church down the road from our house. And, and uh, you know, and after that experience watching Oral Roberts, every time I'd go to church, of course, I was not old enough to quit yet, you know. Uh, but every time I'd go to church, I'd get under conviction. And I thought, if I ever yield to this, I'll have to preach. And I don't want to preach. And so I got out of church just as quick as I could. And then I married a Pentecostal woman. 
I never even heard the word Pentecostal. When she told me she was Pentecostal, I didn't know what she's talking about. And speaking in other tongues, I didn't have a clue what she was talking about. And uh, then I, uh, Carolyn and I actually grew up on the same road. We've known each other since I was 11 and she was nine. The same year I heard the call of God is the year we moved on the street where Carolyn's mom and dad already lived. And uh, so that's when we met. But uh, I knew I had fallen in love with her. I wanted to marry her. And she told me the night before our wedding, I just want you to know I've been filled with the Holy Ghost since I was eight years old. And I made a vow to God, the man I marry will be born again, preach the gospel, be filled with the Holy Spirit and go to Africa. I said, well, you're marrying the wrong man. I'm not doing any of that. She said, well, you don't know the power of intercessory prayer. I said, I've never heard of it. She said, well, that doesn't matter. All you got to do is go in there tomorrow night. And when the preacher says, do you take this woman? All you have to do is say, I do. And me and God will take care of the rest. <laughs> and so I went in there the next night and said, I do. And we married. And, uh, but I, I, I was determined to prove to her this preaching business would never happen. And I'm certainly not going to Africa. I, I grew up on racetracks. My dad raced automobiles. And I told her, if you marry me, you're going to spend the rest of your life on a racetrack. I'm going to race automobiles. I'm going to build hot rods. I'm going to restore classic cars. And she said, she used an old phrase. She knew I liked boxing. And she used an old phrase that Joe Lewis was famous for. You can run, but you cannot hide. And, uh, but I tried to prove to her for the next three years that preaching would never be what I would do. And I'm certainly not going to Africa. As far as I know, they don't race in Africa and I'm not going. And so Kenneth Copeland comes to town. And the last night when I heard him, like I said, I'd never heard anything like it before. It changed my life. Now I didn't go forward that night in the service. But when I got home that evening, I couldn't sleep. And three o'clock in the morning, I'm in my living room. I said, God, I don't know why you still want me. I've been running from you all my life. But if you still do, here I am, I surrender. And I received my salvation, was baptized in the Holy Ghost, and uh, just, just had a marvelous experience with the Lord from three o'clock to seven o'clock that morning. I mean, I could not pray, stop praying in tongues. And when I finally stopped, I turned and my wife and my mother-in-law were sitting on the sofa crying. And I, I didn't even know they had come in the living room. I was just basking in the glory of God. And I turned to Carolyn and I said, guess what happened to me? She said, I know. I said, well, how do you know? She said, well, I woke up about 3.30 this morning and you weren't in bed and I heard this noise going on in the living room and I walked in there and saw what was happening to you and I called mama and said, you got to get here right now and see what's happening to Jerry. Because <laughs> mama-in-law had been praying for me and preaching to me and preaching at me and I didn't like Carolyn or mama-in-law preaching to me all the time, but they found a scripture somewhere. I haven't found it yet nag your son-in-law into the kingdom. But anyway, <laughs> 
and they both nagged at me day and night, you know? And so uh, I walked over to Carolyn and I kissed her and I asked her to forgive me for being such a idiot and being disobedient and so forth. And I said, now promise you from this day forward, I'm gonna be a better husband. I'm gonna be a better father and, and I'm gonna preach the gospel. And, uh, and she was in tears. And then I walked over to my mother-in-law and I kissed her right on the lips and asked her to forgive me and told her I loved her and thank you for not stop praying for me. And when I kissed my mother-in-law on the lips and told her I loved her, I knew right then <clears throat> this was not a religious experience. This was a genuine new birth. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> and so then uh, that lady brings those tapes over the next day. And I started listening to those messages. Now, once again, Jesus said, once the word is sown, Satan cometh immediately. Everybody say, immediately. <clears throat> I like to say, if not sooner. <laughs> Satan cometh immediately. You know, I was listening <clears throat> to Brother Copeland talking about healing and by his stripes we are healed and we're redeemed from the curse of sickness and disease and so forth. And I grabbed hold of that. It seemed like it didn't take me all day to receive that revelation. I remember walking into the, uh, to the living room and I said, Carolyn, did you know we're healed by the stripes of Jesus? She said, oh yes. I said, well, how long have you known this? She said, I've known it all my life. I said, well then, why do we keep getting sick? I said, go with me to the bathroom. And we went in the bathroom and went to the medicine cabinet. Isn't that amazing? We named it medicine cabinet. And I opened it and I said, what is all this? If we are healed, why we got all this? Hello? You know, back in, back in those days, they had a lot of commercials on TV. And one of them said, as long as there are husbands and winners, there will be codes. And I believed them. And so whatever they offered and was selling, I bought it because I knew winter was coming and I'm a husband <laughs> and a cold's next, you know? And so whatever they sold on the television, we bought it and put it in the medicine cabinet just in case, okay? And so I said, well, why we got all this if you've known all your life that by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed? I said, we're going to start walking in divine health. And it wasn't 24 hours later, I had all the symptoms of the flu. I mean, I couldn't get out of bed. I hurt all over. My hair hurt. My ears hurt. My tongue hurt. Everything hurt. And I thought, well, I guess what Kenneth Copeland said wasn't so because I'm sick. What was happening? Satan was coming immediately to steal the word. And I remember laying in that bed and I heard the Lord say, healed men don't lay in bed all day. 
I said, well, Lord, as soon as I get well, I'll get up. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. You've done the same thing. Huh? I said, as soon as I feel better, I'll get up. He said, why don't you get up now and act on what you just heard? By the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. So I got up, boy, it was hard. And now I ached all over and I just started walking the floor and just saying out loud, by his stripes, I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. I didn't feel any better when I did that the first five times. I didn't feel any better after I'd done it 15 times, but I just kept saying it. And all of a sudden, every symptom left. And I realized, praise God, I can take the word of God and defeat the enemy, praise the Lord. Amen. Notice he said, once the word is sown, Satan comes immediately. Now, I still had business debts. I had a lot of business debts. And I had called every person that I owed money to, every uh, paint shop, every parts department, you know, I called every one of them and promised them that I would pay them. I didn't know when, I didn't know how, but I said, uh, uh, I will pay you. And it seemed like every time I'd find a scripture on God blessing me, and wanting to bless me, and I'd start speaking that, and I'd start hearing uh, Brother Copeland talk about how he and Gloria got out of debt and how they believed God and how they sowed seed and so forth. And I'm doing whatever the man said he did. That's what I started doing. And I'm, I'm speaking the word. And it seemed like the more I spoke the word, the deeper in debt I got. Satan coming immediately to steal the word. And I remember also uh, uh, shortly after Carol and I married, I, I wanted to serve my country, but she was expecting our first child. And so a friend of mine called me and said, uh, there are openings in the National Guard and they're, they're uh, recruiting about 10 guys. And he said, if you want in, you need to get down there right away. So I left as soon as I got off the phone with him and went down and joined the National Guard. Now, this was 1968, actually 67. And uh, the Vietnam War is going on. And they were calling up guard units from time to time to go to Vietnam. Just like not too long ago, they called up guard units to go to Afghanistan and Iraq and all of that. And so... Uh, uh, it wasn't long after that I got called up for active duty. And so I'm shipping out to Fort Dix, New Jersey for basic training for AIT. And uh, after finishing AIT and my first daughter, Jerry Ann, was born while I was on active duty and she was three and a half months old before I ever saw her. And so uh, after we finished AIT, they told us that we were shipping out to Vietnam. So we're sitting in the barracks waiting for them to come pick us up and take us to McGuire Air Force Base and fly to Nam. And so we sat there most of the day waiting. And finally our company commander came in and said, 
the uh, governor of the state of Louisiana has asked for one unit to stay home. The civil rights movement was going on at the time. And uh, he said he wants to train one unit with the state police for riot control. And it turned out, Carolyn was praying I wouldn't have to go. And uh, it turned out our unit was the one that was left behind. And we trained with the state police for riot control. Not only that, but every time there was uh, uh, a hurricane down in South Louisiana, we were sent down there with the other guard units uh, to keep people from looting and so forth. And, and uh, I had qualified expert on every weapon they put in my hands. And so they made a sniper out of me and they put me on tall buildings with a sniper rifle. Thank God I never had to shoot anybody. But uh, uh, that's what I was doing. And so I'd get called up from time to time. And even when I moved to Fort Worth to work with Brother Copeland, I was still, I still had three years left in the guard. And we'd be in meetings, Omaha, Nebraska one time. And uh, as soon as that meeting was over, I, I got a call and you got to be at Fort Polk, Louisiana in the morning. <laughs> I'm in Omaha. And boy, I had to get back to Fort Worth and, and then drive over to Shreveport and be uh, at the base there and go to Fort Polk the next morning. And sometimes we didn't have any idea when we'd be back home. It may be a week, it may be two weeks, maybe longer. And so this one particular time, man, I, I'm believing God for my next meal. I got two babies and I don't know how in the world I'm going to take care of my family. And I get called up to go to Fort Polk. And then we're leaving Fort Polk and going to New Orleans. There's been a major hurricane down there. And I don't have any money. I don't have any money for my family. I don't know how long I'm going to be, be gone. And I'm walking the floors confessing, my God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And then I get a telephone call. We're going to sue you if you don't pay in the next, you know, 24 hours. <clears throat> That's not what I needed to hear. Amen. <laughs> so, I, I get the call and I got to go to Fort Polk. I went in there and put my uniform on. I came out with a duffel bag and Carolyn's sitting there rocking Terry in the rocking chair and Jerry's crawling around on the floor. And when Carolyn looked at me with this, you're not going to leave us like this, are you? Look. I went in there and I took that uniform off and I hung it up and I said, I can't leave with my family not knowing where their next meal's coming from. I didn't have a dollar to leave my family. And the Lord said, you swore an oath. You raised your right hand and swore by an oath that you would serve for the next six years. And you're not done yet. Now get in there and get that uniform on and go. I said, but Lord, did you see the look on my wife's face? I can't leave her like this. He said, I'll take care of her. I said, okay. So I went in and put the uniform back on. 
And I walked out there and Carolyn gave me that look again. And I walked back and put the uniform in the closet. <laughs> Lord said, what are you doing? I said, Lord, I can't leave my family like this. He said, I told you I would take care of them. I said, would you do it before I leave? <laughs> it would help. He said, I'll take care of them. Go get the uniform on. I went back in there and put the uniform back on. Came back out with my duffel bag. And Carolyn gave me that look again. I said, Carolyn, I feel terrible leaving you and the girls like this, but I don't have any other choice. I don't want to be arrested. I want to be AWOL. I don't want to spend time in the brig. I gave my word. I swore an oath. I have to go. And about that time, there was a knock on the door. I went to the door and the man said, Jerry, where are you going? I said, I got to go to Fort Polk. He said, when are you leaving? I said, well, I should have already been gone. And he said, well, I'm glad I caught you before you left. He said, the Lord told me to bring you this. And it was enough money in that check to take care of the next two or three or four weeks that I was gone. And God proved that he could be dependent upon, he was reliable, and that he never broke covenant. Hallelujah. Do you need God to meet your financial needs? Have you ever wondered how to convince God to bless you? Today's special offer contains Jerry Savelle's prophetic book, Principles of Supernatural Increase, and his three CD series, Increase God's Way. In this revealing special package, Dr. Jerry Savelle clearly sets forth the biblical principles of supernatural increase, including your covenant right to increase, how God moves supernaturally, and common deceptions that bring poverty and defeat. God desires that you move to a higher level in every area of your life, spiritually, financially, professionally, and socially. You don't have to convince God to bless you. It's already His plan. Don't delay. Call or go online now to jerrysavelle.org and request your copy of the Supernatural Increase Special Package. Embracing these principles on a consistent basis, you'll soon experience supernatural increase as never before. Thank you for joining me today, and I trust you enjoyed the message. And I want to invite you to join with me again next week as we continue this subject, Holding Fast to God's Word. You know, God said to me coming into 2020, that it would be a year for supernatural increase. I want you to hold fast to that. Regardless of what's happening around you right now, don't give up on that. God wants you to experience supernatural increase. That's the reason why I've written this new book entitled Principles of Supernatural Increase. And right along with it, three CDs, Increase God's Way. These are powerful resources that will teach you how to position yourself to experience increase from God. The Bible says in the Psalms, Psalm 115, the Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. It belongs to you. So if you'd like to have these resources, go online, jerrysavelle.org, and it'll show you how to order them, or just look on the screen right now, and all the ordering information is there. Order them today. We'll get them to you just as quickly as we possibly can. And once again, join with me again next week as we continue talking about how to hold fast to the Word of God. And remember, your faith 
will overcome the world.